I'm Jason Delgado from Vibrant Church, Columbus, Mississippi, and this is the Creator Sheet Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Creative Sheet Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. My name is Jared Hogue, and I'm going to be your host today, and I'm joined with my good friend, Roman Johnson. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Am I right? Friday Night Lights. I'm, I, I'm pumped to be here. I'm excited, and I'm ready to do this. You know, Roman, we've got a phenomenal interview today with Jason Delgado on episode... This is to episode 25. That's awesome. High five. Episode 25 of the Creative Sheet Podcast. Uh, And Jason is the senior pastor of Vibrant Church in Columbus, Mississippi. Just an incredible dude. hes I've never actually met him in person, but if I do meet him, I'm going to give him a hug because he's that kind of guy. He is that kind of guy. He is just awesome. And you know, Roman, we've got some other amazing interviews coming up. We've got Blaine Hogan, the creative director of Willow Creek Church, Bill Heibel's church. Uh, he'll be on the show soon. Greg Scott, the Global Family Ministries director of Church on the Move in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Great leader. Yes. We've got uh, Josh Gagnon, uh, senior pastor over on the East Coast. Uh, he's got his own podcast, just a, a great dude. Uh, and Beth Vaughn on the creative team of Life Church nice. coming on the episode on, on the show. So got some amazing interviews coming up for y'all. Uh, and uh, folks, if you didn't know, today's episode is brought to you by creativesheep.org. Tell me more. <laughs> well, Roman, at creativesheep.org, we license premium media to the church. Awesome. And Easter is right around the corner, folks. We've got all your Easter needs, uh, illustrations, uh, service intros, amazing countdowns, specifically for Easter. That's right. A- we, we have we have tailor-made these to have the maximum impact in a church service. That's absolutely right. So you're definitely right. going to want to check them out. And a brand new piece going to be out there. They're called Death to Death. That's exactly right. I'm really excited about it. As am I. As am I. Uh, folks, make sure you stop by creativesheep.org. And while you're there, if you didn't know, you can click the blog tab and we've got our show notes available. That's right. Uh, and Jared, if I'm, let's say I'm new to the whole podcast game. Yeah. Uh, what is a show note? Well, first of all, I don't know why you're new to the podcast game. <laughs> we rec- This is our 25th episode. I'm brand new. Uh, oh, our show notes are actually just a kind of a highlight reel of the of the the talk of the day. Awesome. Plus any links to anything that we talk about. That's so great. any books, other podcasts that are referenced, whatever the case may be, those are in the show notes at creativesheep.org. Jared, that sounds like a great resource. It is a great resource. So stop by creativesheep.org and check that out. Uh, and folks, if you would, wherever you listen to these podcasts, go ahead and subscribe and leave a review so that we can get in front of other leaders like yourself. And Roman, this is going to take us to today's one question. One question, one question, it's time for one question. Your today's one question is as follows. What are your top three podcasts that you're excited about right now, besides our own? Because obviously we're most excited about this one. Right. I I do love podcasts, Roman. So narrowing it down to three is actually really tough for me. There's some amazing podcasts out there. Um, I'm loving, uh, I love Andy Stanley's leadership podcast, Carrie Newhoff's leadership podcast, uh, the Entree leadership podcast, one from Dave Ramsey. There's a theme here. There is. uh, But I'm going to have to go with the the three I'm most excited about right now. Number three. I'm going to go with Here's the Thing. Mm, which yes. is actually an Alec Baldwin podcast, which might sound a little weird. I could just, uh, I, I could just listen to his voice like while I go to sleep. Yep. Like uh, he, he narrates Royal Tenenbaums, and yep. that's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Because his voice is amazing. I, I love his podcast. He, he's amazing at getting people to tell their story in a really compelling way. Uh, so I really like his podcast. Um, I'm going to go for a, t- a tie for number two here with the Leadership Momentum 
podcast, which is uh, it's from the Ramsey Group as well. Uh, they actually interview amazing church leaders. There was an episode with uh, uh, Chris Hodges, another one with Perry Noble. Both of them just phenomenal, phenomenal interviews. Absolutely love those. So those are my uh, that that's one of them. And then the other one tied for number two. So we uh, have you have four top. I do. Ones? You're I such do. A cheater. I know. You've mentioned like uh, twelve podcasts. I know. Uh, Craig Rochelle has a new leadership podcast that is killer. It is outstanding. If you're not listening to it, I, I highly encourage you to, to subscribe. Uh, but my number one right now, my favorite podcast right now. Let's hear it. Is the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Ah, yes. I love Perry Noble. He's so laid back. I, I like listening to him talk because yep. he also has an awesome accent. He does, and he gets real fiery about things. And yeah. I, I just really, really like the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Roman, what are your top three um, podcasts you're most excited about Yeah, right uh, I guess I'll honorable mention a couple since you did. Okay. Uh, it didn't make it in the top three. This one that I found just the other day, it's called uh, Song Exploder. Oh. And they what they do is like they have like 20 minutes and they take a song and the artist talks about the song and like breaks down each element in the song and how they kind of wrote the thing. Uh, there was one with Postal Service that was awesome. And this one I just listened to was um, one with uh, Chet Faker who did a song called Gold that was pretty cool. Um, wow. So that's honorable mention. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Cool deal. Um, I would say number three for me uh, would have to be one called... Uh, oh, another honorable mention is the Art of Manliness podcast. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he's from Tulsa, Oklahoma, the guy, and yeah. uh, does a great job with this podcast. It's super cool. Um, number three would have to be uh, a show called 99% Invisible mm. uh, by Roman Mars. And it started as an architecture podcast, but it's kind of turned into uh, a de- every, everyday design podcast, talking oh. about um, the thought process behind everyday things and why they came to be. So that's super awesome. Um, I would have to say my number two podcast would have to be the Tim Keller sermon podcast. <laughs> That's a good one. You can't go wrong there. <laughs> I love listening to Tim Keller. He, he'll just blow my mind every time I listen to him. So he's yep. really good. And then I would have to say my number one podcast would have to be... Give it to us. Um, let's hear a drum roll. The Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast. Really? Yeah. I didn't mean to steal your thunder earlier. Yeah, that's all right. It is an incredible podcast. I do really though. like that podcast. He's had some amazing interviews on there uh, lately. Uh, the CEO of Home Depot has been on there. The CEO of Popeye's Chicken has been on yeah. there. Just some incredible interviews. Really, really good stuff. So, folks, we'd love to hear what your favorite podcasts are. Uh, feel free to hit us up on social at creative underscore sheep. And, folks, that is today's one question. Question, one question, one, one, one question. Folks, I'm real excited to bring you this interview with Jason Delgado, the senior pastor of Vibrant Church in Columbus, Mississippi. This guy has just got a huge heart for people and a radical, radical conversion story and how he came to know Jesus. Uh, but what's most fascinating to me about this interview is he went through a transition of taking over his dad's church. Um, and he took the church when it was about, where he moved back to work at that church when there were about 250 people attending the church. Roman, today, they have over 2,300 people that in is, attendance. Uh, I would call that exponential growth. Yeah, and it all happened in about six and a half years. That's so crazy. That's a really tight timeline to make something like that happen. What God's doing through Jason and his team at Vibrant is really, really cool. So, uh, folks, I just think without further ado, let's get to today's interview with Jason Delgado. Well, Pastor Jason, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I am so honored to be here and uh, and get to connect with you and your listeners. Well, okay, so let's let's just jump right in. You are now living in Columbus, Mississippi. You are the 
senior pastor of Vibrant Church. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna rewind. We're gonna go go back quite a ways. Uh, give us give us a snapshot here. Where where were you born, and uh, where were you raised? I I was born in Birmingham, Alabama. Roll Tide. And uh, yeah, Roll Tide, baby. You know. <laughs> and uh, so we lived there until I was about eight years old, and then we moved to Columbus, Mississippi. My dad uh, assumed the pastor of a of a small church there in 1984. And so we moved there in 84, and that's why I spent the rest of my uh, growing up years. So you're a, you're a second-generation pastor, a PK. Actually, I'm third, man. Whoa, look out. Third, dude. My grandpa, uh, he pastored a pretty influential church in New York City during the, uh, the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And so then my dad uh, was called to pastor, and so... Than I am, and so you know we kind of keep it in a family business. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so okay, so let's uh, let's move forward a little bit. 1984, you uh, you moved to Columbus. At what point in the process here did you accept Jesus early on in your life, or were you a little bit later on? Uh, how did that work for you? Man, that's a that's a great question. I kind of refer to it as salvation 2.0 because. <laughs> 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 uh, I kind of grew up in the church, and I was kind of, you know, I was a pew baby. So, you know, we just kind of—I think that kids who grew up in church, sometimes they, they, they get salvation by osmosis a little bit without really knowing, uh, that without having that, that personal inward revelation. They just kind of—they just kind of naturally move into that, that reality because they're immersed in that culture. And, and so there, there is a, a faith there. Uh, so I was kind of—that was kind of my story— and, um, but it wasn't probably until I was in my late teens and I was, uh, actually I had to join the Marine Corps. And so I was in the military and in full blown, I mean, mock three rebellion against God and against church and everything else. And, uh, I was on a very self-destructive path, uh, during those years and, and in the process, um, through some circumstantial things, I think God divinely orchestrated um, it was there in the Marine Corps that Christ reclaimed me. And I actually, I, I, I kind of look at that experience at that moment in my life as, as when I truly knew what I was doing and, and I cried out to him and, and, uh, I, I gave my life in surrender completely to him. So that's why I kind of affectionately refer to it as salvation 2.0. <laughs> so that's, that's my story, man. I like how you said that Christ reclaimed you. That's really cool. Uh, in that in that same vein, do you mind sharing the story of you're in the Marine Corps? You said you're 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 intentionally living your own way, rebelling. Uh, so what did it look like then? How how was it that you were converted? Was it someone else in the Marine Corps? Did you just wind up in a church? How did that happen? So it was probably around uh, the middle of my tenth grade year in high school. Um, I just got. I was very angry with several things going on in my life and um, turned that anger toward my dad, my parents, uh, the church. And just slowly, gradually, I got, I kind of merged into a, 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 a cultural pocket in high school of some popular kids that, you know, were hard partiers and whatnot. That became, that filled the vacuum for me. And I just completely gave myself to all that. And so it progressed and got worse. So when I joined the Marine Corps 18 years old after high school, 
it did nothing but intensify probably a hundred times over. Because uh, in the Marine Corps, it's just you train hard and you party hard. It's just kind of how you do it. And mm-hmm. and long story short, I got a phone call. This was before cell phones. You know, this is way back. You know, back <laughs> when. But we had we had phones in our regular landlines in our barracks rooms. And I got a phone call one night in my room, and this gentleman on the other end of it said, "Hey, you don't know me, and I don't know you, but uh, he gave me his name, and he said I'm a Marine here on base, and my, my wife and family and." I go to a church locally, and uh, for somehow my pastor got your name and number and asked me to reach out to you, and I want to invite you to come to church with me. Well, in some very, you know, uh, poetic four-letter phrasing, I told him where to get off and leave me alone and hung the phone up. And so he, he, he kept pursuing. He called me back. And I was, and I kind of started talking to this guy, but I told him I wasn't interested in his church. At that time, I hadn't been inside the doors of a church in probably three years. And, um, but he just kept pursuing me. And he, I finally agreed to go to church with him, but it was really just to get him off my back. And I thought, man, let me just go with this cat. And then, and then I'm done with the church thing. When he drops me off, I'm going to tell him to leave me alone and not ever call me again. And I don't remember what the guy even preached about that morning, to be honest with you. I don't even remember. I just remember at the end of it, you know, he gave a, a, a formal invitation to receive Christ, and something in me said, it's now or never. You are on a self-destructive path. If you walk out of these doors and you harden your heart toward me right now, then your future is going to be very bleak, and you're going to self-destruct. And, I, and that scared me so bad. There was a massive urgency in me that if I hardened my heart toward God this time, it could be my last. And, um, and I, I, I can honestly say, the four years I spent in the Marine Corps was divinely appointed by God. I learned a lot in there. I learned a lot about, about fortitude, about courage and honor. I learned a lot in there, but really God used those years to reclaim me back to him. So I kind of look at it like a Jonah experience. The Marine Corps was my well, and God swallowed me up in it for four years and spit me out the other end of it a completely different man. So the way I went in that was totally different than the way I came out. And so I'm forever, forever grateful for that. Sorry, I know it's kind of a long way to answer your question, but that's my story. There's so much good in this, though. I mean, there, I mean, of course, you coming out saved and a totally different man. Uh, and, and also, thank you uh, on behalf of myself, uh, my family, and our listeners uh, for serving our country. Uh, we are forever indebted to you and the other men and women who serve like you. Um, but I, one, Thank you. Oh, absolutely. So then, uh, and we're going to fast forward here and then jump back again. So in uh, just a week or so ago, you just spoke at the dream center. How, how, yeah. how cool yeah. and kind of full circle is that for you? Oh man, it was, it was literally a highlight of my life. Um, like I've said, I've had the, I've had the opportunity to, to stay in touch with, with Pastor Barnett, and um, actually, he was here speaking at Vibrant uh, in October. But it was the coolest thing to just to have that opportunity. I was so humbled, and God moved in a powerful way there that night. And I'm excited to you know to, to be a to kind of forge a strategic partnership with with Vibrant and, and the LA Dream Center uh, long term, and just to to support the heart of Pastor Matthew and Pastor Tommy. And, um, anyway, it was just a phenomenal experience. That's incredible. So uh, 
so now let's re let's rewind again. <laughs> and you've sure. graduated, you've graduated, uh, your internship with pastor Tommy and you're married. Where, what happened next? Where did you go? Did you go straight into a ministry job from that? Yeah, it was really interesting because I never, um, the big dilemma I had through the interning in school years, uh, college years was I didn't know what niche in ministry God was calling me to. I knew God called me to be a pastor, but it, that's a broad stroke. Um, there's many, you know, cultures of that. And so I, I didn't know where I was supposed to be. I didn't really, I never have really um, been a student leader or had this massive, you know, passion to be a youth pastor, student pastor. You know, that wasn't really my thing. And I didn't really feel that's where I was supposed to be. And, you know, I didn't feel like I was supposed to be a, at the time. It was big. People were thinking of singles pastors and all this kind of stuff. There was a pastor for everything, and I just never really felt like I knew my niche. And it was through a conversation on an airplane with uh, with Pastor Barnett that he asked me, you know, what do you feel God's calling you to do? And I said, I'm supposed to be a pastor, but I don't know, man. I'm I'm 23, and I don't I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And he said, man, it was really he was the one who influenced me to go right into senior pastoring. Wow. And it was it was it was nuts. He told me, man, I would if I had it all over to do again. He was I'd be a senior pastor at 19 years old. You know, that's just you know, he's just big vision. You know? Yeah. And he just said, there's just certain things you're never going to learn. He told me, unless until the buck stops at your desk. And there's just certain things you're never going to really grow in, in, in as a leader until you are the man that everything is accountable to and, and you're responsible for it. So that kind of got in me. And he said, I think you can do it. He really championed me. And, and actually, he helped get me to the next step, which was there were uh, some circumstances that had opened up to me shortly after um, where we landed in San Diego, California. And we spent our first three years, I was 23 years old, we spent our first three years uh, pastoring a, a small revitalization work uh, in a church in San Diego and um, had some, some great time there. I cut my teeth on that church, if I can say that. I mean, I've made a lot of mistakes. I mean, who wants a 23-year-old senior pastor, you know what I mean? But, um, and, and, and this church was, had gone through a lot, and there was a small group of people left, and and, and it was funny because no pastor really wanted them, <laughs> and nobody else wanted a 23-year-old senior pastor. So I looked at him and said, hey, man, let's team up. You know, nobody wants you, nobody wants me, so let's, let's <laughs> team up. And so we did it. They brought me there, and we spent three years there. And in those three years, um, God God did some great things. The church revitalized in a lot of ways, and it started to grow. And I was able to, to hire a small staff, and, you know, things were going great. We were doing some things in our community. and church got a lot stronger and and um it was in there that at that time that i felt like the lord was just doing me he, he gave me kind of a, this 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 passion uh for church planting and this was kind of in the this was kind of in the very beginning of that emergence in our in our in our country right now church planting is a big deal now and this was this was before it became a big deal it was just something that god put in me this desire, and so I begin to think about it, I begin to read about it online and, and read books about it and talk to other guys about it. It was just in me. And the more I prayed about it, you know, Rachel and I both felt like God was calling us to plant a church and God was going to move us back south where where I was from, where my DNA was developed and my culture was developed. And 
So, uh, so after three years there in San Diego, we embraced that call to now go plant a church. And that led us through a series of, of circumstances to uh, a community right outside of, of Memphis, Tennessee, uh, called South Haven and South Haven Olive Branch area. So um, that's where we landed in January, or excuse me, April of 2003. And eight, nine months later, we launched uh, City Church um, in January of 2004. Wow. And that's actually, it was at that church that I met you. Uh, you had hired yeah. you had hired a friend of mine, uh, Troy Souden, who was the youth pastor, who is now the senior pastor of of the church that you're referring to here. Uh, which uh, man, I just remember the from the moment we met, I, I feel like we clicked. Uh, you are man, you cracked yeah. me up right out, just right out the gate. Um, <laughs> and and uh, just your big personality, man. You're just such a you're just like a, you're just a big teddy bear and just real funny and. <laughs> Um, I just remember you walking in, you had just got back from vacation and you were telling Troy and I about, uh, the trip back and how the kids had been crying and, and, uh, and this kind of thing. And then, uh, later we reconnected up in Pennsylvania when Troy actually got married. Um, and man, I just felt like, like, it's kind of one of those, like, we've only been friends for a short time, but it feels like we've been friends for longer kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. And so anyhow, not enough about, enough about me, uh, so you after after doing this, uh, I, and like I said, you're no longer the pastor of City Church of Olive Branch. You have now moved back to Columbus, um, and yeah. uh, this is this is a super interesting uh, part of your story to me. So, your dad was pastoring uh, a church called Evangel Church. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the church that he took in 1984. When we moved here when I was eight years old, it was a, it was actually Evangelist and with God. He changed it to Evangel Church in the late nineties. But he had been the pastor here, uh, incredible tenure of over you know thirty years. And so you moved back to not be the senior pastor right away, right? And so right. kind of let's let's explain some of this. I, we had Tom Mullins on the podcast, and uh, of course he's got the book Passing the Leadership Baton, and he talks about how. He transitioned his church from from himself to his son, and this is a this is literally your part of your story. Uh, you moved back, yeah. And how long was it uh, back when you moved from City Church to Evangel? Was it before you actually took the reins entirely? Yeah, so we were there in uh, South Haven Olive Branch for six and a half years, and uh, Troy, like you mentioned, was friends, and and uh, God really put His hand on his life to take that work. And, and I'm proud Troy, he's doing a great job there. And so we moved back to Columbus, which was kind of a crazy thing. And, I, and if you don't mind, I just want to back up one inch. No, go for uh, it. To kind of lead into that answer. I never, ever, 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 ever wanted to move back to Columbus, Mississippi. <laughs> you understand what a brother's saying? I never <laughs> wanted to move back here. Okay. Not ever, okay? But when I, that's why I left the day after my 18th birthday. I was gone. <laughs> and I, I'm never coming back here, not ever. They could burn it. They could fall in a sinkhole for all I care. I don't want to be in this town. Mm-hmm. And so I spent the next 15 years of my life um, in, in really either in or outside of metro areas. I love cities. I love cities. And um, kind of that was my DNA. It's kind of my vibe. And, 
And so my dad, my, my dad had uh, developed a hepatitis C in his liver, and uh, in the late nineties, and he kind of monitored it and it was okay. And then we were well into our pastor and our church plan. It was growing and booming, and things were happening. It was crazy. And my dad got really sick, and the doctors were saying that he didn't have but a couple of years, and he was going to have to have. Uh, you have to have a liver transplant or he wasn't going to make it. Wow. So he got on that list for a liver transplant. It was a very dark time uh, for my family and even for the church here, my home church in Columbus. And um, and so walking through that, uh, my dad approached me and, and just said, hey, man, I want you to, would you just pray about coming coming to Columbus? You and Rachel come to Columbus. And I <laughs> this is how bad did I want to come here. I totally didn't get what he was asking. I was like, dude, I don't have to pray about coming to visit you, man. I'll come visit you wherever you want. And he's like, no, no, I'm talking about, I said, oh, you want me to pray about coming to move? And he said, <laughs> yeah. I said, oh, no, man, that ain't that ain't going down. I'll tell you right now, I don't want nothing to do. My vibe is not fit Columbus. They don't, they're not going to, they're not going to dig anything I'm trying to do. And in my vision, it's a lot more conservative of a community. And uh, I just said, we need to kind of look elsewhere. But okay, I'll pray about it. I'll pray about it. And Jared, it took us three years to even pray about it. Because that's how bad I did. I did not want to come back here. And, you know, I just fought it and fought it and fought it until, without boring you with details, circumstantially, God aligned things on the chessboard to put me in checkmate. You know how he does. He, you know, you go in. If he's calling, you go in whether you want to or not. You got it. You know, so uh, I had already rebelled once, and I saw where that got me, and I wasn't going to do it again. So finally, it just broke me, and I just had to go. So I, I, the whole point of me coming back here was Dad wanted to uh, really bring the church modern and current with the, with the culture and into a lot more relevancy. Uh, the church was already – it already had kind of a contemporary um, – vibe to it, I guess. It's not contemporary what it is now, but it, it was kind of more, I guess, uh, dressy contemporary, you know, conservative. I don't know how you yeah. put it, man. Yeah. Anyway, it, was, it, it, was, it was weird, to be honest. <laughs> but anyway, so we surrendered to it and moved just under the under the umbrella of just, I'm going to come help Dad. And there were discussions about succession. And, uh, but there was no, not really a timetable on that. So, uh, my dad and I are best friends and to his credit, I've not seen a man walk out succession, uh, as honorably as he, he did. And, uh, he literally from day one gave me freedom and he, he let me run. And he just said, listen, man, you know, the pulse of, you know, culture and relevance and, you know, just tell me what we need to do. Let's let's go. And and so he gave me full, and he backed me, and he backed me with the people. And the church was only about 250 people when I got here. And he had just come out of the transplant, and the church was had been in a five- to seven-year vacuum of leadership because of his, of his sickness. And so there was a, a very stoic kind of a, a vibe in the church. People just didn't know what the future was. There was no vision. And you know the Bible says whether there's no vision people perish and that wasn't my my dad's fault he was just sick and he couldn't really he couldn't really function in the capacity that he had used to so there's not 250 people here and he just loosed me that hey man let's get let's get vision let's do it 
and and he honored me, and and I honored him. And I think I learned through that 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 was the currency. That is the currency of effective transition. The currency is honor, and without that, it doesn't work. And so he honored me publicly, and I honored him publicly, and we <laughs> we fall behind closed doors about a lot of things, but we just determined that no matter what our disagreements are, we walk out this door. We're going to be in unity. And we did that. And it wasn't easy all the time, but we did. And so from the time I got here in July of 2009, it was uh, in, let's see, 9, 10, it was in 2012. In 2012, um, the transition was complete, and uh, and I, I became a lead pastor. And um, so, yeah, it was about four or five years in that that happened. I love what you said there about honor being the currency of effective transition. Because I, I can only imagine with, with someone like yourself, I, I've referred to you as like a nonstop wrecking machine, but in a good way. Like you're just, you're a force to be reckoned with. You're, you're just the, you're just the guy that's just, you're going to make something, make something happen. Um, you're just such a go-getter. And <clears throat> I just think it's so cool with that. Cause I can only imagine the amount of frustration you probably felt through the transition. And I don't mean anything negative towards your dad. But just when there's kind of that dual leadership role, uh, how frustrating that can be. Did you feel any of that during this time? As far as frustration in the relationship with my dad? Yeah, and just you maybe. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe talk about that just a For little bit. For sure. Oh, man, yeah, dude. We, listen, there were many, countless uh, meetings him and I had behind closed doors where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> it was I mean, it was bloody. And we got, but my dad and I have always had a very open, honest relationship. Um, you know, where we can, it's just kind of our family culture where you, we can speak our mind and if it, you know, we can argue and we can fight, whatever, but we can get a good hamburger afterwards. You know, it's just <laughs> kind of how we did it. And so, no, it was very challenging because, you know, you got to understand for a guy who's been at the helm for 30 years, Mm. in the same church that to me in itself is 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 astronomical that to me in itself is way above the standard i mean he that that's a that that is setting the standard i mean for a guy compared to the national trend of pastoring so you know for somebody who's been for 30 years it was very difficult on his part to let go and and that was something i had to understand and so i had to respect that that you know, he is going to need time to run at my pace, and I'm going to have to slow down a little bit to make sure that I don't lose him because to lose him in the transition process would be to dishonor him. Mm. And I was not going to dishonor. So to honor him, I had to make sure we talked things out all the time. And that was very difficult, I mean, because he was very, very hesitant. And it's not a knock on him. It was just expected. He was very hesitant about a lot of the vision I had and when I wanted to implement it and how I wanted to implement it. And, and so we had those conversations. It was very hard conversations sometimes, but at the end of it, we just agreed that we were going to have unity. And there were some times that I realized, and the Lord would help me see in a conversation with him where, hey, you need to slow down. You know, this is, you need to wait on that part of the vision maybe for a few more months. He'll be ready, at that, but not now. And so I just have to learn to, it's just honor, man. It's just honor. And so, but when we, but when, but when he would acquiesce, and there were many times 
that he would acquiesce to something I wanted to do with complete reservation. Like, I mean, like, like hey, you can do that, but I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think it's going to work. And I think it's going to blow up in your face. But you know what? I'm going you know, I'm I'm to give you the freedom to do it. But you know what he would do is when he would talk to people in the church, when I would announce or I would cast vision for whatever that was, People would naturally at that time in the church, they would come to him because he was still a pastor. What are we doing? Why is this happening? I can't believe, what is he talking about? And I'm going to tell you what, he would challenge every one of them. Like, he would tell them, this is going to be the greatest thing. You watch what Pastor Jason going to do. Now I'm telling you, it's going to be the greatest thing that ever happened in this church. I'm telling you, just watch. It's, it's just great. People are going to come to Christ. It's going to be, but in the office, behind closed doors, he'd be like, man, this ain't going to work. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> but, but, but he did good to honor me. And and I was willing to hear his reservation and embrace it because I always knew he had my back. And, you know, when I got up there uh, to preach, I always honored him. I always made sure I, I wove something into my message to be able to say, you know, that's why I'm glad we have a pastor like that. And people would applaud him. And I would honor him that way. And even when I was there were Sundays I would preach, I was angry. We were, we were just hated each other that day. You know, mm-hmm. I would still honor him. And here's what I found out, Jerry. I discovered real simply that I was like, oh, like the more I honored him publicly, I began to find out the more they honored me. Wow. And I was like, oh, okay, I see how this is working now. And so the more I honored him, the more I put the light on him, the more I drove it back to his leadership. You know, even though I was kind of the catalyst behind doors of getting a lot of these things forward, the more I pointed the light at him and honored him, the more people began to gravitate toward me. Yeah. There was no threat there. And I, that, that's when I realized, Jared, that the currency, the total currency was honor. And, and so it was an easy transition at that point that when it came time for the church to choose their next lead pastor, it was the first time that there was ever a unanimous vote. Wow. And in an auditorium full of people, there was not one single no vote. And that was the most humbling thing. And I cried. I mean, it was just amazing. But I think that that, that happened because there was a groundwork set in the foundation and in the, in the DNA of that, of that groundwork was honor. And it was a natural transition. And that happened in 2012. I love that so much. It's so cool to hear how how much freedom he gave you. It sounds like your dad's also quite a bit of a fireball like you. Is that accurate? Oh, we're just like <laughs> Which is probably why you butted heads so much. Uh, exactly. I love so much what you're saying there, though. Just Again, I'm going to go back to that phrase you used, that honor is the currency of effective transition. And but And it wasn't just that you were honoring him, and then he was going out and you would have that conversation behind closed doors, but then he's also having that conversation with other people of, oh, this is never going to work. Because that could that would have been a recipe for disaster. But in turn, he was honoring you and had your back. That is just so, so, so cool to hear. Oh, yeah. But one of the other things I, I pull out from what you're saying right there is uh, the importance of candor. Just that you guys behind closed doors, it, from the sounds of things, were extremely candid with one another uh, to, yes. to, to push push this forward. How big of a role did that play in the transition? Maybe not as much as the oh, honor, but the, the candor side. Yeah, I'll tell you, I, I think the two go hand in hand. And I'll tell you why, because if I really honor this man, then I'm going to be brutally honest. 
in a respectful way, I'm going to be honest and be very transparent and communicate the entirety of my feelings and thoughts and ideas behind every decision to challenge things uh, that he may say. Or it, and he felt the freedom to be the same. To me, they're, they're married. If, if I withhold that communication, if I bottle those feelings, if I, if I don't tell the truth or challenge an idea or, or, or ask, and this, what I'm talking about is all with the, uh, a great respect and, and love, but just to, if I don't, if I withhold 100% communication, Jared, that is in itself dishonoring. Mm. Because that means there's not a trust. See, you have to have. Trust I need you. I'm sorry. I, you got to say that again. You got to say that again. Well, it just goes back to honor someone means that you give trust, and 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 so to give trust means that if I trust you, if I trusted him, that means that that I I I have to be a hundred percent communication of my feelings, my thoughts, my ideas, my challenging processes and systems and structures, challenging ideas and vision, and, and, and disagreeing, but being agreeable when we disagree, and, 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 and having a culture that that is trust. But I, and if I honor you, I'm going to be open and transparent and honest, okay? If I withhold, if I don't tell the truth, if I don't tell how I feel, if I don't challenge a process, an idea, a system, a vision, if I don't disagree when I might need to in love and respect, that in itself is to dishonor the individual. Because now I'm saying there is no trust. So if I trust, I will honor and I will be open. If I don't, if I'm not open and transparent, then I'm dishonoring, and that is a communication of distrust. And there you have problems. And I would venture to say that a lot of churches are are employed in many different respects, not because of problems within the congregation necessarily. A lot of it is because of problems within the leadership team. There's no trust. There's no honor. There's no communication. And what I had with my dad, let me just— let me just bring this into present context, Jerry, because this is a passionate topic for me. Um, what I had with my dad, I have now modeled. Our staff has grown five times the size, maybe wow. six times the size now. And now I have my lead team who all have their own staffs. Uh, and I have now brought that culture into my lead team that we are going to have brutal, we, we call it, in-house, we have buzzwords and things. I'm sure that you're, you're familiar with that. But we call it a brutal, honest culture. And we talk about it all the time. Like, it's, it's just brutally honest. And nobody, the rule is, you cannot be on staff at Vibrant unless you're okay with a brutal, honest culture. And to have a brutal, honest culture, um, you can't have your emotions attached to what you do. Because you can't, you can't get your feelings hurt if somebody doesn't like your idea. You know, our goal is for Vibrant to win. And and I and as a lead pastor, that means I have to be okay with my lead team challenging me. I have to be okay with them looking at me and saying, you know, I don't think it's a good idea, and here's why. Hey, pastor, you know, I hear what you're saying, and I like the vision of where you're going. I just think strategically we need to accomplish it this way, and here's why. And I've got to be man enough, and I have to honor them enough to listen with respect. And take to heart, and I'll, I'll tell you, a lot of the things that have come out of Vibrant in the last 
five to six years, Jared, have not been my idea. Our rule in our lead team meeting is, hey, we just want the best idea on the table to win. Mm. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be mine as a lead pastor. I just want the best idea to win. And once the best idea is is revealed, everybody's going to own it. That's our rule. We're all going to own it, even if it's not your idea. Even if you may disagree with it, we're all going to own it. And so I have carried that relational fabric I had with my dad, that strength, I've carried that into our lead team now that we are going to have a strong culture of honor in this staff. And what that means is that we're going to have trust, and to have trust, we are not going to withhold feelings. We're not going to withhold challenges. We're not going to withhold uh, philosophies or ideas. We're not going to withhold disagreements. We're going to have an atmosphere of respect and love because we are going to honor. Because if you don't, if you withhold and you bottle and you don't offer in 100% transparency, then you are dishonoring the team. And here's the problem with that, Jared. From the lead team down into the staff, Whatever happens at the top, you know as well as I do, is going to filter downward. And so if there's disorder, if there's a fracture up here in the trust and communication and honor up here, it's going to permeate down to the staff. And, you, and, and there's so many churches plagued by this, there's not a culture of honor and trust in, in the staff. And guess what happens then? Then it permeates into the body. And a lot of the things employed in churches... And I know leaders sometimes want to point the finger at some factions in the church or whatever, but I want to promise you, man, and you know as well as I do, everything rises and falls in leadership. Mm. And so at the end of the day, I take the responsibility to look in the mirror and say, you know what, how are we modeling it as a lead team? Are we modeling it? Because they're just a mirror of us. And so I don't know if that makes any sense, but um, that's the culture we try to create in our staff. And I'm going to tell you, that's not an easy thing to walk out on a weekly basis uh, in, a, in, a, in a church that is really uh, fast-paced and big vision and, 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 and running together. It's not easy to walk what I'm saying. It's not, that's, that's not an easy thing. But when everybody's bought in and they're committed to it, I'm going to tell you, we have forged some of the greatest vision birthed by the Spirit of God, some of the greatest ideas of God, because we have that culture of openness, brutal honesty, honor one to another. And respect, and that, and sometimes that does have to be confronted and corrected along the way, adjusted. But we're bought in and committed to it. I'm just a big fan of it. Sorry, it's just kind of a passion. It's a passion for me. Oh, please don't apologize. I'm in here waving a hanky in the air, hoping you're going to just keep preaching. That man, that's some incredible stuff right there. Um, that is so so good. Uh, really challenging me personally on that. That is holy crap. That's good. Uh, one one statement you said, and I know we're I know our time's coming to a close here. But one thing you said just a minute ago, um, and, and uh, man, there's two things I want to tackle here real quick. One thing you said was sure. disagree, but be agreeable. What do you mean by that? I mean that we can disagree on something, but we don't have to be disagreeable. I think disagreeable is an attitude. Mm. To, to disagree is a position. But to be disagreeable in your disagreement is an attitude with your position. So if if you and I were working together on something, Jared, and I disagree with you about it, it's the difference between me having a position of disagreement but being agreeable with you in my attitude. So the difference is for, for me to approach you and say, I can do it one two ways. I can hear say, say, hey, man, um, I'd like to talk to you about this. Maybe we can clarify it. Maybe we can 
I'd like to talk this out. Is um, you said something, or there's an idea I think you have, and and, and I do disagree with it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why. I want you to hear me out because I honor you and I honor your position as a leader. But but here here's where I'm thinking, and just tell me what you think about this because I I know we both want it to win. So and maybe and, and I always kind of default with this kind of stuff and just say, you know, maybe it's just me. You know, maybe my perception's off. I probably am not seeing it clearly, but. Here's the disagreement I have with this, and here's why. And then when I'm done explaining that, then I always, I always refer back or defer back to. I would defer back to you and say, "What do you think about it? What do you think about what I'm saying? Am I off? You know, help me understand." Okay, that is me being dis, having a disagreement, but I'm not being disagreeable in my relationship with you, in my attitude. I'm, I'm disagreeing in my position, but I'm being agreeable to you as a brother. The other route is to come to you and say, hey, man, I disagree. That's the stupidest thing ever. And I, I don't know where you came up with that, but, dude, that's, that's dumb. Like, we do that. I don't even want to be a part of it. If you on that road, I ain't going to be a part of it, man. That's just stupid. Hmm. That same disagreement, but this one over here has a disagreeable attitude. So now it becomes relational. Now it becomes personal. Hmm. And that drives wedges. So I can disagree and still be agreeable in my relationship with you. Why? Because we're fighting for the same cause. We all want it to win. We want the body of Christ to win. We're on the same team. But in a team, there's going to be different ideas and different philosophies, and that means disagreement. But we can have disagreement and be agreeable in relationally with it, be agreeable in humility one to another, honoring one another. And in that agreeable attitude, guess what happens, man? The, the Spirit of God births the best ideas. And so guess what happens, Jared? And going back to that analogy between you and me, you're either going to look at that and say, um, man, I never saw that. You know what? Jason, you made a point. I didn't see that side of it. So, so, so here's what you're saying. We do a lot of, we do this in our staff. Like we try to repeat back as much as possible. Like, so what you're saying is this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Man, I didn't see that. You know, that may be a problem, man. Maybe we can keep talking about it. Let me, let me put that idea off, and let's just keep that dialogue. That's good stuff. Thank you for watching my back. And that's nothing, Jared. Sidebar, I'm trying to culture our staff and train our staff that, hey, when somebody confronts you, whether it be on your professional stuff or even your personal stuff, you can't take it personally. you, you got to realize that we all have blind spots. Not one of us has the full the full mirror of every lot of blind spots. So if somebody's sitting in your passenger seat and they see you to put your right signal on to turn in this lane and they look out their their way and they look at you and say, Hey bro, there's an eighteen wheeler right here and if you pull over, we're gonna die. All right, that's a blind spot you didn't see, but your friend did. So what are you gonna do? Go, there's no eighteen wheeler there. You're stupid and just ram right into an eighteen wheeler. No, this guy is pointing out your blind spot. So what do you do? Oh, man, thank you, dude. Thank you for watching my back. So if somebody comes to me and my lead team has that permission for me to confront me, they have permission to watch my back, and they do. Sometimes they come to me and say, hey, man, you know, did you realize you said this? Did you, did you mean did you mean to come across this way in this venue? No, I didn't. Did I do that? Yeah, you kind of did. Oh, gosh, man, thank you for watching my back. I'm going to go fix that right now. So we, we just have to have that culture. So and you may look at me in that going back to that analogy and say, Hey, can we continue that dialogue for now? That 
I didn't see that. You know, thank you for, that's a blind spot in this whole idea. I didn't see that. Let's keep talking about that. And the spirit of God begins to forge a good idea. Or, or Jared, you may look at me and go, oh man, yeah, let me clarify that because I think you're missing something. Let me, let me make sure you get the whole thing. So, so here's the idea and here's why we're doing it. Let me, let me just dial it. Let me just go through it real quick and, and show you kind of where I'm getting this from. And then I'd like to get your feedback on it. And I may look at it then and go, oh man, I didn't see that. Okay, now I get it. I get what you're doing. Totally understand it now. Great idea, man. I'm totally on board. Let's, let, let, whatever I can do to help you make that work, let me know. Man. So we can disagree without being disagreeable. This is so good. This is, man, this is some really good stuff. Okay, so here's, well, we can end it with this question here and and want to want to set a little bit of context here. So, you said when you when you came back to work with your dad, there were 250 people attending the church. And right. did you say there were just there were just a handful of people on staff? Is that right? Oh, dude, listen, when I got there, it was just me and my dad. Okay, okay, so just two people on staff at this time. Yeah, because the other guys had resigned. Okay, so now, um, now what? How just. How, what is your what is your staff structure now? How many people are on the team? We're about twenty five um, okay. on staff now. Okay, and now obviously that was a gradual progression to get you where you are today. Uh, so you right. were running two hundred and fifty people when you came back. Uh, how many is your church running now? Well, in six and a half years, we watched God uh, grow the church from from two hundred fifty people to about twenty three hundred now. Wow. In, in six and a half years, which is an anomaly. It's really, wow. I don't recommend, I don't recommend anybody go try that. It's, it's, <laughs> been, it's been, it's been brutal, man, to be honest with you. But we're just trying to keep up with the pace of what God's doing, dude. And, and he's just been so good and gracious in spite of our mistakes and our fractured humanity and imperfections as leaders. God has just, is just entrusting. He's entrusting a lot of favor to us right now. He's breathing on it and, He's bringing a lot of people who are just so far from Christ in our culture, and he's just entrusting us with them. And, and we're seeing people literally every weekend, every service. For, for years now, we're watching people come to Jesus and say yes to him and, and, and surrender their lives. And so it's been amazing. And now we're in the middle of this expansion project and all these things that God's doing and multi-siting and different things that we're, we're, we're walking into now. And, um, it's just a humbling thing, but it is his church. It's not my church, man. It's his. Wow. And, uh, and we give him all the, the praise. As a matter of fact, I try to say that to our church as often as I can. Uh, from the, now look what God is doing in his church. Isn't this great? Isn't it great to be part of his church? You know, I just, I try to bring it back to that with our people. This is not ours, man. This is his bride. This is his work, yeah. And and uh, and it's just been amazing, Jerry. It's been, and I give him all credit for it. I've got great people. I've got a great team. We're not all perfect. Uh, we have not arrived. And I can promise you this: what God's done at Vibrant is truly a miracle of Him, of His hand. Because brother, I for sure ain't that smart. I promise <laughs> you that. Ain't that smart, brother? I promise you. I pray every day, God. Please don't let these people figure out that I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just riding it out, bro. <laughs> That's incredible. So creating this culture of honor and being being able to disagree, but being keeping an attitude of of 
agreeability. I don't think that's a word. I just made it up. Uh, but so going from being able to do that in a family, which in, in a lot of regards could be tougher, uh, in cultivating the, la- the last question I have for you is, is cultivating that, uh, that culture with folks that are not family, people that, that you don't know as well, especially when you're, you're at the top and these people are dependent on you. I mean, just to put it in real terms, they're dependent on you for a salary. And some folks, when you disagree, it can, it can hinder <laughs> and, uh, c- kind of yeah. drive a wedge. And so what do you do to make sure um, that when you say, yes, I want you to be able to disagree, that you actually back it up? I, I think that that starts in the training of our, it starts in the training with our people on the front end. So we have an assimilation process of our church. We have a four-part growth track um, that we take people through to assimilate them in the church. And we, in one of the sessions, and they were constantly, well, in every session, we're lacing this in, that, hey, we have, you know, we have a culture of excellence here, and, and you know, but in order to have a culture of excellence, there has to be a culture of humility, and so, you know, we have to be willing to learn, and so if you serve here at Vibrant, you know, you're going to be a student of, of, of what we do and what God's doing here, and to learn, and there's going to be leaders in your life, but they're not perfect, and, you know, we want to hear your opinions. It doesn't mean that we may, we may, not, we may not agree with everything, and we may have disagreements with you, but the, our big thing is that we champion a culture of honor because that brings glory to God, is is the honor. And so um, we, we start there, and I think we talk about it a lot. Our leaders press it down into our teams, our dream team, our, 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 our volunteers. In team meetings, they find a way to bring it up very often. They bring up the fact that, hey, man, we all, you know, no idea is off the table. You know, we, we're open to all all the ideas. And so just know that, that your idea may not be taken and you have to be okay with that. We talk about stuff like that. I'm like, hey, sometimes when I come to you and address something. So you know when I, when I talk a minute ago about blind spots? That's a that's a staple kind of a teaching that we do a lot in our in our teams going all the way down. Mm. Uh, we, talk, but we talk about the blind spot uh, philosophy. And so that it, what it does is it trains people. Because we live in a culture today that if, that has taught people that if anybody confronts you about something, they're your enemy. Mm. If anybody confronts you about anything, if anybody addresses anything about you, that, that means that they're pious and they're prideful and they'll like you. And, you know, you should take nothing from nobody. You know, it's this very individualistic generation, this individualistic culture that we live in, and when you add in the tech generation to it, it has totally crippled relationships. So when you the relational structure is crippled, and then you have an individualistic society. Man, it's very difficult when you to confront. You know what I'm saying? But so so we so we constantly talk about the blind spot philosophy, and we use Bible to do it because the Word of God teaches very clearly that maturation in Christ comes from confrontation. Mm. Somebody has to come address something to you for you to even know it's a problem. If you don't know it's a problem, you won't grow in it. Sometimes circumstances can teach you that, but that's a lot of pain. I don't I don't want to learn from my circumstances. I want to learn from other people who made this who made the mistakes already. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So when a leader, so we train our people, look, if a leader comes to you one day, you may be going through a lot of things in your life and you may come in and not even realize that you have kind of a sour face or just a very a very isolated 
kind of attitude that day, if a leader pulls you aside, that's normal. We all go through it. But if a leader pulls you aside and says, are you okay today? Because you look a little isolated. You look a little bit like you're, you're, you're having a bad time. You know, are you okay? You got a little attitude going on there. Don't take that personal. That's a blind spot. Mm. Instead, you should thank God that there's somebody in your life that's addressing it and helping you be aware and not take it personal. Why? Because that's for your development. What are you going to do after that? You're going to watch how you come into serving. That's what it's going to teach you to remember. Okay, I think there's a reason why the Apostle Paul said to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, because you ain't always got him on. <laughs> I think you got to put him on. And so sometimes you just got to put him on. I know some days I ain't got him on. I got to put him on. And mm. so if someone comes to you, in that simple example, if somebody addresses something to you, we teach the blind spot philosophy. And it's biblical. That's how you grow. If somebody comes to you as a leader and, and, and points out the fact that, that, hey, every time you're scheduled to serve, you're, you know, you're 15 minutes late, you know, that should not be taken uh, the way the world says. You should get defensive and they don't like you and you should just forget it. I'm not being a that's, that's immaturity. Maturity is being able to listen and thanking God that a brother or sister took the time to sit in your passenger seat and tell you, there's an 18-wheeler next to you. You're going to hurt yourself with that. You're going to limit your potential if that's a pattern of a habitual pattern in your life. Instead, you should thank God that there's somebody in your life telling you that there's danger in your blind spot. And, oh, man, and I didn't realize that. Man, can you pray with me about that? You hold me accountable to that. I want to do better. I want to be. I want to be punctual. How this little thing? It's the little things that determine destiny. It's mm. just the little things. It's so, so that those are conversations that they have. We do a lot of team nights at Vibrant Church. So, you know, every area ministry area, you know, once a quarter they're doing team night. So they're bringing all their team together. It's for you know for further training, for you know for housekeeping, for new things coming up you know, for pouring into and teaching and championing and giving attaboys and, you know, bragging on. But it's in those team nights and in individual smaller meetings with groups that we keep bringing in the blind spot philosophy. And so we don't have a perfect culture of this, Jerry. We still have people that, you know, they can't handle it, you know, whatever. But for the most part, I'm proud to say that we have a very strong culture of this. And and nobody, you know, we have, you know not, not so many people are we having to deal with a lot of hurt? So this gives us the freedom. We have the freedom now to lead because we established the culture of it through proper teaching and biblical training. And I use a lot myself from the pulpit. I, I throw my personal faults and failures out there all the time. And a lot of times I like to use examples of, man, I was jacked up in this area and God used this person to come and love. That's the, that's, that's true love. See, if you, if you're really a friend, if you're really, if you really love someone and you're, you're really being a friend, then, then you're going to be honest. Okay? Because Proverbs has a powerful scripture, we use this a lot, that um, the kisses of an enemy are deceitful, but the wounds of a brother are faithful. And so I use this a lot. Like, if somebody just kisses on you all the time, the Bible says that's your enemy. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful. They're just kissing on you all the time, telling you how great you are. Oh, there's nothing wrong with you. It's everybody else. Oh, you're just the best thing. Blah, 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 blah. That, the Bible, that, that person, that's your enemy. Hmm. But it says the wounds of a brother are faithful. It's the one who's your brother, who's your friend, is the one who's not afraid to wound you. Because they love you. 
that's faithful. So I oftentimes in teaching will use personal examples. Now I was jacked up in this area, didn't even know that God used a true brother to come into my life and wound me and say, hey, I'm going to poke on this and it's going to hurt. But it's just because you got a blind spot there, and I want you to see it. It's going to hurt your potential, and man, it did hurt, and I it hurt for a while that confrontation. But I I, I embraced it because he was being faithful, and he he prayed with me, he walked with me through that, and it helped me mature in that area. And now I'm strong in that area, and it, it has taken the limiters off my potential. So using my own self as leaders, I think we have to do that to create this kind of a culture. Man, that is an incredible way to end this interview. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, just if anyone out there is wanting to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to go about doing that? Oh, man, you can um, Instagram, at Jason Delgado, Twitter, at Jason Delgado, um, email Jason at VibrantChurch.com. Uh, if you want to call our office, it's 662 three two nine two two seven nine and uh so you can get you know facebook i'm jason delgado (laughs) 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 trying to find me out but uh no man i'd love to connect and it was just an honor jared to to be on on your show and I'm, i'm proud of you man i love what god's doing in your life you are truly one of a kind man i love your heart i love your intelligence i love your creativity and what God's using you to do in the body of Christ, and just the fact that you even asked me, um, I'm so honored, man. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, The pleasure is definitely all here. Uh, Folks, check him out, at Jason Delgado on all social uh, sites. And, uh, uh, man, again, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. You can also go to VibrantChurch.com if you want to look at our church. But uh, love you guys. Thanks for having me. Folks, thank you so much for listening. Without you, we couldn't do this podcast. So a huge shout out to you, the listeners, for uh, joining us, the Creative Sheep crew, if you will. Thank That's you. right. Big shout out. Big shout out. And Jared, yeah. uh, there's uh, there's a lot happening in this world. There is. And it, pretty much everyone is connected these days, whether it be through an, a phone mm-hmm. or a computer. Mm. Um, but by way of the internet, pretty much everyone is on social media. That's true. Including That's true. Creative Sheep. Yep. Uh, and our username's creative underscore sheep. Don't forget the underscore, but we would love to talk to you. Yep. You know, throw us a, a tweet or a comment on an Instagram, something like that. We'd love to get in touch. Love to connect. And of course, you know, Roman, how would they get in touch with you on social media? With me? Yeah. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. It's at uh, RomanJohnson23. I'm not quite as much on Facebook. Not as much, but you are a little bit. A little bit, yeah. If you yep. like, send me a message or something, I'll see it. Yeah, and feel free to connect with me at Jared A. Hogue, at Jared A. Hogue on all of the above as well. Uh, folks, if you would, jump over wherever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, go ahead and subscribe. Leave a review uh, so that we can get in front of other leaders like yourself. Also, tweet uh, tweet Jared and, and give your best guess what the A stands for. In his name, Jared A. Hogue. Oh, that could open up a real real (laughs) can of worms right there. Uh, And folks, make sure to stop by creativesheep.org for all of your church media needs. We create and license premium media for the church, and we also create custom media for the church. And one last shout out, folks, goes to Janet, our producer. Yes, our, uh, our immaculate producer, Janet. Janet, thanks for all you do. You're the best. Folks, thanks for listening today. We will see you on the next episode of the Creative Sheep Podcast. Farewell.